Today's episode is sponsored by you and others like you who have pledged a flexible monthly donation through the Urban Achiever Patreon page. Please consider becoming a contributor by visiting patreon.com slash urbanachiever. And thank you for your support. What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Welcome to the show. This is episode 76. I reached out on Twitter yesterday and I said, hey, do you want to be on the show tomorrow? (laughs) And Brian Patton, man, it was almost as if he was uh, waiting there with his fingers on the keyboard. Uh, He got right back to me. But Brian's no stranger to me. He's been a longtime supporter of the show. I have been on his show that he's been doing for six years called The Meltdown. And uh, Brian's also started a record label called Something Beautiful, which we'll talk about today. And uh, I also wanted to mention that urbq.fm is up and going to have the debut of Make America Punk on Sunday, November 6th with two hours of political punk. Normally the show will be one hour, but this is a special election survival special. (laughs) Two hours of political punk songs from 8 Eastern to 10 uh, East Coast time, November 6th. So you can look forward to that. Uh, So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce to you your new favorite punker from Washington, D.C., Brian Andrew Patton. Brian, what's up, dude? Uh, not much, man. Nine not in the much. morning on a Friday. Oh yeah, it's nothing better than this, really. Oh, I've I've been up for hours. Let's let's do this. <laughs> Have you really? What time do you get up normally? Um, my wife's alarm for work goes off at six. Oof. So, uh, lately, thankfully, my daughter's been sleeping past that. So, yeah. Um, because for a while she was getting up at five, and that was just no good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, how old's uh, the baby? She's two. Two. Yep. So definitely a baby. Definitely a baby. Yeah. With, with, <laughs> a, with another one on the way. So. Oh my goodness. Oh well, yeah. Congratulations. I don't Thank know. You. I, I uh, I'm not a parent, and uh, so I mean, I only know anecdotally how a lot of this stuff works. But are you already at the, like, how long does the not sleeping through the night thing go? Does that vary? Uh, it varies. Uh, yeah, she's been sleeping through the night for. A couple months, which is awesome. Yeah. Generally, we were on vacation recently and that like threw off the whole schedule. So it was like a couple weeks of oh. waking up at like two and three in the morning. Yikes. So there's yeah. like a period of readjustment if you break the routine or something. Yep. Yeah. Everybody who's a parent is just shaking their head at me right now. <laughs> like, come on, Billy. This is just basic, boring stuff. How do you not know this? Well, I don't have a kid. So, you know, that's it. Because you people... go, go ahead. No, because like people say things and you're like, oh, that's just a stereotype. You'll never sleep again. You're like, no, this is true. Your whole life is. <laughs> no, really. Completely... You will never sleep again. <laughs> now are you a morning person Brian? i was not until i got married uh-huh. and then uh i would just get up with my wife and i found that my morning hours were then my most productive hours uh-huh. uh i've kind of reverted a little bit where i can be productive and stay up pretty late if i'm not paying attention but yeah yeah i'm not i'm not really a morning person but i mean i worked in uh public radio for a while doing uh the morning show so i would uh-huh. have to be at work at 4 30 so i'd be up at like 3 30 so oh my god so you kind of learn to uh, adjust See, to now, be a morning like three person. three in the morning to me is like a bedtime like that's the, the idea that anybody would have been asleep and then gotten up at that time just seems crazy to me it, it was crazy to me until i started doing it 
<laughs> I don't know. They say that like people have like a natural clock and I feel I've tried like I'm even trying right now. This is like one of many failed attempts at like getting up early. <laughs> and uh, I just feel like I'm definitely like one of those like night like people for sure. Like I can if I get in the routine, I can get up and I and I get like productive as well. So I definitely relate to that. But it's always I just feel like my mind and my body and everything is just basically always under protest. It's just like, what, dude, what are you doing? Seriously. Oh, yeah. Until I have two cups of coffee, I'm miserable and <laughs> like zombie mode. OK, like if I because I'm mystified, I'm mystified by those people that are like, oh, yeah, man, I just get right up, get right at it. Feel fine. It's like, nope, nope, no. <laughs> there's there's never a time that I think like I could just keep sleeping. Be fine. <laughs> Uh, All right, cool. So are you now you live in Pennsylvania? Are you from Pennsylvania originally? No, I grew up uh, in the uh, suburbs of Washington, D.C. Did you really? Yeah, in Maryland. Okay. What was that like? Interesting. The city we lived in, Gaithersburg, is one of the most uh, diverse cities in America, Mm -hmm. um, which is like a cool upbringing. um, And it was cool being close to D.C. Mm -hmm. uh, But like, you know, later in my teen years is like, I got into punk like there was nobody else into that scene and you think like DC punk but like yeah by the time I was in my teenage years like that was done oh my gosh <laughs> so you were like a lone uh lone punker yeah pretty much really yeah like there were occasionally you'd meet people in like um the farther out suburbs you would go and mm-hmm. into Pennsylvania like Gettysburg and down in Virginia there'd be uh people you'd meet who'd have similar but like my direct like French group and like the church I went to like nobody understood <laughs> that side of music or like <laughs> the so, fashion they're just like what the but hell like at you your doing? school were you like the only like kid into that at all uh yes wow that's crazy mm-hmm. like how did you how did you first discover like punk music and stuff like that it's an embarrassing really Christian oh, story perfect uh, so there was a like a time when like Christian music started to be a thing with like newsboys on audio adrenaline. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how that came about, but like my dad started taping real videos uh-huh. on TBN and it was it's like a nighttime video show. Yeah, Saturday nights at midnight. Um uh-huh. and just one week hosted by Crystal Lewis. Uh yeah. Can't forget that. Good old um, Crystal. But the supertones were on uh-huh. uh one week uh, they premiered the Adonai video. And I just remember hearing that and I was, what, 11 at the time. And I was like, yes, I like this. This is good. And then we went to a creation festival that year and like mm-hmm. Plank Eye and Goatee Hook and Five Iron all played. And, you know, that's when I got into Tooth and Nail and really dove into punk rock and uh, started watching G-Rock and skateboarding. And That's amazing. Yeah, okay. it's, it's the supertones. Like <laughs> that one song, I was like, oh my God, this is like, nothing i've ever heard of uh-huh. i was 11 so sure well i but just it, i love i love I, <laughs> I i we're gonna go i'm gonna let you keep going but i just love that your first introduction was the supertones and i just saw recently you posted on your feed american football so i love that somehow <laughs> in some line in some timeline in somebody's life that the entryway to all all of this like started with the supertones it is yeah it is crazy <laughs> I think about that and I, I'll occasionally listen to that record and like there's that feeling of nostalgia like oh yeah but I would never like if I were to hear that right now for the first time I'd be like eh. <laughs> 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 with all the lyrical cheese and uh, yeah. not that they weren't what? genuine or whatever but like <laughs> oh what what do you mean they're cheesy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know. gotta be careful yeah, I, I I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, well, that's cool. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about this church that you're in. What kind of church was it? Uh, non-denominational. Okay, it's a pretty big church. Uh, what was the name of it? Church of the Redeemer. It's pretty serious. Now, big by big church, what do you mean? Um, like how many people? I think I think they're way bigger now. But at the time I was going there, it's probably a couple maybe like a thousand, couple thousand people um, Mm -hmm. over the span of like three services. I think they have like four locations and 
thousands and thousands oh, of people big. now. Um, yeah. How does that keep happening? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. People, people <laughs> keep going to church. It's like the American way, I guess. Yeah. Nobody's happy to have like their one little neighborhood church with like 50 to 100 people and everybody's got a franchise and have like a whole chain of churches. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is the church I went to um, is only like a mile from uh, Joshua Harris's church or the church he used to pastor, which huh. is also a mega church. So within like a mile, there's two mega churches in the same you know, city. Yeah. Which Weird. I guess is pretty common around the country, right? Yeah. I don't I don't understand this phenomenon of the mega church to be honest. Yeah. I don't. It's really weird to me. Weird and off-putting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree now. Like I feel I feel like I need like a happy medium. Like I don't want it to be so small that everybody's up in my business. I don't really enjoy that. Um and then I don't want it to be so large that it feels like I'm like going to see ACDC or something. It right. seems weird to right. me. Right. <laughs> somewhere in the middle is fine lower middle <laughs> just <laughs> like maybe 500 yeah seems yeah like <laughs> a movie theater would be yeah. yeah but it's like it's like anything right like you just at some point just tell people to stop coming like how do you stop it from growing right you can't really do that yeah right? that's antithetical to the whole mission i guess it's just keep cramming them in there now, now all we have is a room with a projector that's okay. Just put them in there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Standing room so, only. So weird. So now I have also seen like a picture of you playing uh, guitar. Like, were you uh, like a musician kid growing up? Like, were you into sports? Like both. I played sports when I was really young. Um, baseball, football, mm -hmm. basketball. Um, I wasn't really good at any of them. I was good at basketball for a while because... I, I was tall. really tall. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, you know, 5'11 in the fifth grade. Um, people were <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you're going to be like 6'5. <laughs> but then I, I stopped growing and everybody else that kept was growing. It. And it was like, <laughs> my basketball career height. was over. It was like, <laughs> okay, I'm no longer that tall, so no longer that good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I played trombone in like fourth and fifth grade that you do in elementary mm -hmm. school. Uh, was yeah. no good. Uh, asked my parents to get me a guitar because that was around the time I started getting into really getting into music and punk. So they got me a guitar. I took lessons for probably a month or two. The guy who taught me, he was very upfront. Like, I can't teach you music theory. So he taught me like <laughs> all the basic chords, the minors. Yeah. And then I think like Jars of Clay, Much Afraid had just come out. So he like taught me all the songs on that record. And then he was like, uh, you're, you're good enough. That's good. You're, you're good. I can't teach you anything else. So that was all I had. Um, that's enough. It was enough. And then like a year or so after that, my brother took drum lessons and played drums and I would watch people play drums and I was like, okay, I can do that. So I would like ask my brother to get on his kit and I'd put on like, you know, MXPX records or living sacrifice and go play drums, uh, uh -huh. and just taught myself to play drums that way. Later, really? later in life, I took like three years of music theory, so I, I know my way around it. Huh. Like in college or something? Uh, in high school, I took huh. some music theory, and then yeah, I went to tech school, and there was a year of mu music theory in that too. Is your brother older than you or younger than you? Younger. Is your only sibling, or do you have other siblings? I have uh, four brothers and three sisters. Holy moly! <laughs> you come from a family of eight kids. Yep. My dude, my dad's one of ten. Are you serious? Yeah, I have like a hundred cousins. Where do you fall on that, like in the line? Are you in the middle somewhere? Uh, I'm you... the oldest of all my siblings. Are you really? Yeah. Dang. So you were the guy churning all the younger siblings onto the supertones. <laughs> Trying. My One of my brothers was really into like punk and ska for a while. And then he like completely went away from that later in life. Uh, yeah. And then my brother, who was the drummer... He got really into like techno and electronica. Yeah. So he like DJs and produces his own stuff now. But that's cool. <laughs> it was always like, yeah, never really had a sibling to share that with. <laughs> yeah. You had the, you were like the pioneer guy. Yeah. 
I was starting to feel bad for you, Brian, in the beginning of this conversation that you're like this lone kid out there just sadly <laughs> listening to punk by yourself until I learned you were in literally a house full of people. Oh, yeah. What did your what did your folks do? Uh, my dad uh, is an accountant. Um, uh-huh. He, for my entire life, has worked uh, at a company that does uh, data communications, huh. like modems and I don't know what all they do now. Modems. Um, they were doing modems back in the day. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they do now, but it's like a company. Routers. His, uh, yeah. his dad started with uh, huh. my dad and really? his brothers. So it's a family so like business. like a family business. Yeah. yeah. So That's crazy. Yeah. And then my mom, uh, she was a stay-at-home mom. She had five kids in five years. So, <laughs> What was that like? Like I, I grew up an only child. I had, I have one sister and she was born when I was 17. So I was basically on my own, my entire childhood. I can't even imagine like having that many kids around. It was fun. Yeah. You always yeah. have somebody to do something with. And, um, I think it was less fun for my sister who's a year younger than me. Cause she had all these brothers and it wasn't, Oh uh, yeah. and she was, we were in high school and my youngest sister, my youngest sister's adopted. So when uh-huh. she was adopted, it was like, yeah, you got a third sister. But she was like 16 at that point. So. Oh, when she was adopted, she was 16? No, my my uh, sister, who's a year younger oh, than Oh, I got you. So I think it was I less fun for her. Yeah. You didn't have any of that weird stuff when like, uh, I know there's all this weird stuff with siblings where it's like another one comes and then you kind of don't get attention or, like, you know, I mean, that weird stuff. Uh. Not that I remember. Like there was literally always a new baby after you. Right. <laughs> right. Pretty much. Really? Another one? Okay. <laughs> I mean, there are stories of me like getting into my sister's crib and picking mm-hmm. her up and dropping her out of it. Are you serious? Yeah. To uh, My mom always says, I wanted to play with her. And I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, oh. But, but I've been like, I would have been like one. I'm like, who lets a one-year-old crawl into a crib and uh, yeah. drop their sibling out? And like... Yeah, there are a lot of destructive sibling stories. I stabbed my brother in the ear with a pencil, and <laughs> you did. The punk started early. Um, <laughs> did, dude? Did you hurt him badly when you did that? Or I don't what? think he. I don't think he was hurt badly, but there, there's still a mark on his eardrum. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. From where you stabbed him in the ear with a pencil. Yeah. Like, why did you do that? I have no idea. I don't know. Oh, okay. I was wow. like two or three, man. I don't. <laughs> Not sweating the details. It's like, whatever. See, I think it's in there. I'm on to something. <laughs> trying to throw your sister out of the crib, trying to stab your brother with a pencil in the ear. Uh, it was in there. It was somewhere in, there, yeah. in the, yeah, maybe not consciously because you're little, but somewhere in there, you're like, listen, I'm the king of the yard here. Yeah, right. I don't know what you guys are trying to do. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Yep. So tell me more stories about you damaging your siblings. I'm into this right now. <laughs> That's it. Just one crib throwing and one ear stabbing. I, That's the end of the damage you inflicted on the rest of the family. No, probably not. The only like major one I can think of is one time I tried to cut my sister's fingers off with scissors. What? Yeah, she had to go to the hospital. That's- <laughs> That was not good. <laughs> what? Like what kind of, like those craft scissors? Like yeah. the dull craft scissors? Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. It is terrible. How how far did you get? You must have really had to hack away at that to make that happen. I don't remember how far it was. She was bleeding pretty badly. Uh, is this yeah, the same sister the that you, is this the same sister you tried to throw out of the crib or a different sister? It's the same sister. Oh, okay. Wow. What's her name? Becky. Becky, are you guys friendly, you and Becky? Or yeah, we're cool now. We're <laughs> okay. Because for a little bit there, you really tried to take her out. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, Listen up, to... Becky. <laughs> well, we used to share. <laughs> yeah, we used to share a bunk bed, and I would like sleep with my arm hanging down, and she would like bite my fingers in the middle of the night. So oh, it was okay. a back and forth. <laughs> okay. She would bite your fingers. Yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Wow, I, I'm starting to. There's a whole lot here I don't understand. Uh, we should all probably go to therapy. But <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. So, uh, all right. So then, but you're playing like music with your. You're playing drums and stuff like that. Then, like, did you ever end up playing with anybody, or you're just more of like an enthusiast? I 
got into playing in band later because uh-huh. like I said, I didn't really know anybody who's into the same type of music. I did some stuff at like church with the worship team, but uh, I didn't really play in my first band until I was 17. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, just graduated from high school and went to the uh, young adult ministry at church. And mm-hmm. it was me and the guy who would end up being uh, the bass player in our band were both wearing Further Seems Forever t-shirts. Nice. And it was like, oh, hey, you're into the same thing I'm into. Yeah. And yeah, they found out I played guitar and they were like, hey, we have a band. Do you want to join our band? And I was like, uh, sure. That happens a lot. That's how yep. I met my first friend in uh, in Seattle. I was wearing a crucified shirt and nice. uh, went into a music store. Yeah, those guys have like, been some of my best friends ever since then so you know i'm gonna ask you what the name of this uh little group was don't you yeah uh name of the band was life interrupted that sounds familiar to me yeah did you guys do records and stuff we recorded one demo but that was it and it was not that great um did you play in pa and stuff or where was this that you were doing this this was in uh in maryland okay yeah in the dc area interesting one yeah, so, demo. Yeah, they wanted to call the band. I think two guys, uh, they were really into uh, Never Ending Story, so they wanted to call the band Kill the Nothing. Okay. And me and the, the lead singer were like, no, that name is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the, on, the, on the line of band names I've heard, uh, that's not really that bad. Yeah. A little disappointing. I was kind of hoping <laughs> for something a little more embarrassing. Yeah, no, that was it. So I played with them for about a year and a half or so. Um, but I was, I was the young one in the band. So I probably should have taken more authority because like, I think we practiced the same songs for a year and recorded this demo and like, hadn't played a show. We finally ended up playing like two shows, like after a year and a half, I was like, why aren't we playing gigs? And then we finally played a couple of shows and then I quit the band. Uh, (laughs) You finally, what? You cut out there. We finally played a couple shows yeah. and then I quit the band. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Way to invest a year and a half for nothing, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I was doing like a solo acoustic singer songwriter indie rock thing. And I was under uh, your, enjoying that. Under more. your own name or and did do, you have a name for that? Uh, I did a couple things. I did one under my own name, mm-hmm. I did one under the name Old Town Heroes. Um, old town heroes or old time here old old town heroes Mm -hmm. (laughs) where'd that come from you're laughing i have no idea where it came from okay i probably read it in a book all right it's been so long it was when you were two or something yeah when i was two That was your excuse last time, Brian, but you're running out of excuses for not remembering things. I'm running out of excuses. Yeah, you're not old enough yet to not be remembering stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a kid, so that... That just wipes your memories out? (laughs) Sleep deprived. Okay. That's my excuse. Right. So after this, you did this, like, singer-songwriter stuff? Yeah, I was doing it while I was playing in the band, um, and then after just because it had more traction and it was something I enjoyed Mm -hmm. doing more. Yeah. uh, Singing my own songs and um, it was just more the music I was into. Life Interrupted was this weird uh, melding of like, at the time, me and the singer were really into emo, to like Juliana Theory and American football and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And the the drummer and bass player were just like all about hardcore and metal. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was like we would have these emo songs with a, a breakdown in the middle. Uh-huh. Is like so screamo. Which, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It is funny. I'm like, this is this is the thing that became popular. Uh, <laughs> but I was I was just not into e-modal. it. E-metal. Yeah. Em- well, then we added another guitar. Yeah, emotal. Yeah. Uh, we added another guitar player who was like he was really into the Deftones uh-huh. and like Pod. So all our riffs went like that direction once he joined oh, and it's like, all right, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not into this thing anymore. Yeah. You said it's cause you weren't playing shows, but we know the truth. Yeah. 
I mean, it was it was a thing because yeah, they started playing a bunch of shows like after I left, and mm-hmm. um, I mean the band fell apart shortly after I left. Mm-hmm. Not that I had anything to do with sure. it. I just think don't be modest, Brian. Don't be modest. Intertention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not into the rap metal, guys. Sorry. No. <laughs> Uh, all right so then uh but you said one of several bands like you played in other bands after that or no yeah i mean a lot of uh solo stuff i mean i did uh yeah the singer songwriter thing for a while and then that kind of morphed and i uh i didn't i still do this ambient project called echo broke alone um and then i played instrumental or something or what yeah, yeah, just mostly like all guitar, like super reverb. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of like uh, similar, like uh, Brian Eno or Starts with a Lid or Hammock. Uh huh. Um, yeah, my my musical journey has been. You lost me after crazy. Brian Eno. Actually, I've heard of. Ham- <laughs> Actually, I've heard of that band Hammock. Yeah, recently. Uh, oh, uh, crap! What's his name? A uh, Mark. Uh, shit um it's mark from common children it's his project oh, okay it's his new band i don't know if you're familiar with common children I or am. not yeah okay mark bird that's his name okay it's gonna come to me hammock yeah it's his project yeah they're really good what do they put uh, there did they self-release their records or they put them out with somebody they're self-releasing i think they had a label for like one release but okay. they just self-release all their stuff sure yeah you know, that whole thing I said about you being too young to uh, um, not be able to remember things. My my new thing uh, beyond that is not being able to connect the dots. That's the right. era that I've entered. <laughs> like right on the tip of my brain is like where I heard about that or who told me about that or how I discovered that. But I, I can't find it. Yeah. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hammock. Say the name of that again. Yeah. Your ambient thing. Echo Broke Alone. Echo Broke? Yep. What's the last word? Alone. Okay. Yeah, I took that name from a... There's an LN song called Echo Broke Alone. Okay. And I just lifted that title for the name of that project. Nice. I asked Gary Murray if I could use it, and he was cool with it. Uh Uh-huh. It's that PA accent, dude. It's hard to... (laughs) Those ends of the words is rough. I... I shouldn't even have a PA accent. That's <laughs> all right. We'll get there. Grateful I don't have a Maryland accent. Uh, but... That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say wood, wooder or whatever. Oh, no, that's good. No, yeah, you don't want that. God, no, it's terrible. Po- yeah. Polish wood, wood or ice or whatever. <laughs> Brutal. All right. So, um, you went to college, you went to tech school. You said I went to tech school for, recording mm-hmm. engineering yeah i yeah after high school i wasn't sure what i wanted to do and um i just loved music and wanted to be involved in that somehow so mm-hmm. the guy who taught me guitar and the guy who'd done drum lessons for my brother had both gone to this tech school my parents were like maybe you go there and check that out so i did that for what? a year it was like a what? year-long program what was the name of it omega studios school of recording huh. So they also functioned as a studio. Um, they had done like some stuff for like Maya and uh, Blackstreet, but they mostly did like uh, stuff with like the Washington Symphony, Symphony Orchestra. Huh. And that I guess for like the last, well, when I went there, it was like the last decade, it's like two and a half decades now. They've functioned largely as a school. Mm-hmm. Which when I went there, it was like right before the real big digital boom in recording. Yeah. So it was like everything we were learning was on like, you know, two inch, 24 <laughs> just, just track the, tape On the precipice and like of being these... totally obsolete. <laughs> right, right. It's like there was a Pro Tools class and it's like, this is the new thing. Yeah. But everything is on tape. And then, yeah. And then all the studios went away and <laughs> Jeez. up went the job. <laughs> two decades ago. So how old are you then? I'll be 32 in a couple weeks. Okay. Oh, you're young. Yeah. What day's your birthday? November 12th. Mine's November 21st. 
Oh, nice. Think about that. It's a good month. Yeah, like the reversed number. Except I'm going to be yeah. 48, bro. So, well, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's cool. Hardly seems possible. You're cool, 48. No, I don't know about that. But uh, I just know that I can't believe my next milestone birthday is 50. It's just like. Yeah, I remember when I went hearing like Henry Rollins turning fifty and going, "Oh my God, he's so old." <laughs> Oops. Oh well, what are you gonna do? So you went there. I, I, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I, this is an aside. I uh, had an experience, uh, literally bumping into Henry Rollins at a Whole Foods. Oh really? <laughs> like you physically yeah, rammed into him? Yeah, because uh, in DC, there's a uh, every summer they do these uh, Fort Reno shows. Uh-huh at the Fort Reno park that are free that, uh, Amy Mackay puts on. Yep. Um, and so like Fugazi used to play. So there's one year the evens were playing and Henry Rollins was in town. So I like left work, <laughs> went to whole foods to grab some stuff and like backed into Henry Rollins. And I was like, Oh dude, sorry. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Henry Rollins. <laughs> he's short. He's shorter than you would think he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's really short. He's still intimidating, but yeah. Is he shorter than you? Was he shorter than you? Yes. (laughs) That must have been a weird feeling. It it, it was a little weird. (laughs) It's like as as if somebody shrunk Henry Rollins. (laughs) Yeah. And I just like backed into him, so I didn't want to. Did he have an angry face when you looked up? No, he was pretty cool. It was like him and Ian McKay standing there, like what? You know? Yeah, dude, that's hilarious. Like getting a really awesome mental picture of those two guys in Whole Foods. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you ran into him, and that was it. You just like scurried off. Yeah, I, I apologized. Yeah, got my food and moved on. I didn't want to like geek out and fanboy because I'm sure that happens all the time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm. I guess that's more their target demo being in that store. Depends on where they're yeah, at, that, I guess. <laughs> that store, especially like it was right next to the park where uh, you know, yeah. the Evens were going to play. So, yeah. Did you go to a like, lot of those uh, shows at Four Arena? I, I did, yeah. Cool. Did you ever see Fugazi there? I, I did get to see Fugazi before they broke up. I saw him a couple times. Dude, that's so. awesome. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I got into Fugazi way too late. Yeah. But I was lucky enough to see him before they broke up. Did you love it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of their shows in Seattle is still one of the all-time best shows that I ever saw. I never knew that they did that. Did you watch their documentary, Instrument? Yes. You, so that whole, like, how they don't make set lists thing, which I still find baffling. Yeah. I just remember seeing them at that show, and they played for, like, an hour and a half straight or something without even, like, stopping or looking up. or It's crazy. I don't even understand yeah. that at all. It's- yeah, they were great. <laughs> was there like a ton of people at that thing? They just pack it in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great because it's just like, come bring your kids, bring food, bring your dog. Just, you know, don't bring alcohol and drugs. And... Yeah, that's pretty cool. Do they still do that? Yeah, every summer. Oh, There's been some like legal issues and right. monetary issues lately. Mm-hmm. That's put the last couple years in doubt, but they always managed to uh, pull, pull through. put the shows together and put it on. Huh. They have to get like some public funding or something or like yeah and i think it was like a couple years ago the uh the parks and rec service in dc was like all right there has to be law enforcement at the shows now and they're like um we don't want to pay for law enforcement we've never had to have this they're like well you have to or no shows are going to happen <laughs> yeah they're like okay <laughs> so I, I think they worked it out last year two years whenever they started that but it's good it's it's been dicey for like five years now. Yeah, but they always managed to pull it off. So that's cool. I would have liked to have gone to that back in the day. That would have been awesome. Yeah, we had a thing like the Seattle Center, like by the Space Needle, had like a little band shell thing there, and uh, I did get to see some cool shows there. Like Sunny Day Real Estate played there, and Seaweed, and some different bands, and, and there was always oh, like cool. free little outdoor shows. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. So then after you did this year at this place, learning a bunch of outdated technology, then what did you do? I uh, worked for an audiobook company. Uh-huh. Um, we started out doing like projects for the Library of Congress. Wow. Uh, they have a program where they do uh, books on tape for uh, the blind. Uh-huh. So we were doing like, 
that's what I started, just like audio engineering, uh-huh. uh, audio books, um, like some really, there were some pretty good books, but it was a lot of like gardening and books on <laughs> dyslexia and like oh, man. teaching books. Yeah. Um, stuff. And I'm like, do blind people need a book on dyslexia? <laughs> maybe uh do blind people need a book on dyslexia? Like, why are we doing this <laughs> like by engineering um, oh you need to yeah right there no everything's cool okay, yeah cool. um <laughs> yeah <laughs> the like engineering like recording the narrative like somebody was coming in and recording narration and stuff like that and you're just recording it or what yeah yeah they would come in and um yeah, just read the book and record it or do fixes. Eventually, we moved on from that. After about six months, um, we started uh, doing like radio drama style audiobooks, like eight hour. Uh, eight hour. Yeah, like full books of like most of it was like um, like post-apocalyptic pulp fiction or like you know, Navy SEALs, like 24 type fighting terrorist books. Um, so I was doing, uh, sound design and scoring for those. That's cool. So like actual music, like scapes and stuff. Yeah. Which was, it always sounds like a fun job. And when I would describe it to people, they'd be like, Oh, that's so awesome. That's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, these are like rated R, like <laughs> really poorly written, Ugh. like pulp fiction type books. It's yeah. terrible. Um, what was the name of this company? Graphic Audio. Okay. This is like before Audible, I would imagine. Audible was... Just starting. Just starting. Mm. And then, I mean, Audible wasn't doing like the full radio drama type stuff. Eventually, I think Audible got into that and... Um, but yeah, Audible was like our competitor. Yeah. So. Screw Audible. <laughs> yeah. I have a really good friend that works for Audible, actually. Uh, yeah. So there you go. They're right here in there Newark, New Jersey. Their headquarters right down yeah. the road here. Yeah. I've sent them a resume a time or two. Have you? I have. Yeah. They just bought a really cool old Baptist church in downtown Newark that they're going to have an additional campus at. That ha- oh, yeah? that has an already existing basketball court and bowling alley in the basement. Sounds oh, that's cool. Really makes me sad. I didn't go to a church that had a bowling alley. I think that would have been amazing. It would have. <laughs> like, who even cares about anything else? But there's a bowling. <laughs> like you, you describe it to your friends or whatever, and they'd be like, "Yeah, that sounds good. It's a really good pastor, and there's good music. There's a bowling alley. I'm in." Yeah, well, the church, the church I went to, uh, the youth group had a a basketball court, yeah, like a half court basketball court. So yeah, people would come on Wednesday nights for youth group just to play basketball before and after. Sure, I mean, who wouldn't? Right? Yeah, I know you did because you were tall. (laughs) 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 Nice. So then, how long did you do this audio book business? I was there for six years. Wow. Um, yeah. That's a long run, dude. It was, yeah, it was a long run. Um, you know, we got to do some cool stuff. We did the audiobook version of Snakes on a Plane. Really? Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, like, when that movie came out, there was, like, this, like, what would have been early, like, social media, like, YouTube hype around it. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of the stuff that people gravitated to was stuff that one of the guys who did voiceovers for us did. Mm-hmm. Um, he did like this like Snakes on a Plane audition video where he did like impressions of like De Niro and and Jack, like <laughs> Chris Walken, like auditioning to be in Snakes on a Plane, um, <laughs> which was really funny. So then, yeah, somebody like our owner would just like reach out and was like, hey, uh, we'd like to do the audiobook," And they were like, sure. Um so yeah, we got to do the audiobook, which was uh interesting. It was fun. Um, you know, when the movie came out, we got to go to a free screening of the movie, and that was our entire work day, and we were done by nice, you know, ten o'clock, and then we all went to a bar to hang out afterwards. So. Yeah. 
sadly, this story does not end with you and Sam Jackson like in a sound booth somewhere. So no, that would have been awesome. People are like, "Oh, did you work with Sam Jackson?" I'm like, "No, we did our own voiceovers. We didn't work with any of the actors in the film." It's, it's quite sad. Yeah, and then like towards the end of my run there, we started doing a bunch of uh, audiobooks for DC Comics. Uh huh. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. They do like stuff for Marvel now and I think they still do stuff with DC, but at the time when I left, like Hey, the company was going under our pay had been cut twice. Ugh. And even my boss was like, This is a good time to get out because I don't think we're gonna be a company in <laughs> six months. But they are and they they recovered. They recovered and they've been very successful since. So that's crazy. Good good for them. Yeah. And it was just like it was one of those work environments where no matter how fun it was, it was still kind of a a toxic work environment. Yeah. We had we had one guy who uh, came out as transgender and was transitioning, and that transition led to a lot of conflict and <laughs> um, uh, some turmoil with uh, some hormone replacements. And huh. uh, yeah, it was just it was just time. You where, guys like, were on the my, forefront of the bathroom problem. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> really like frank coming yeah, out of the ladies rooms making me uncomfortable yeah right right <laughs> what well, is fun yeah it's like i don't know how many people who are upset about this have to deal with this but those of us who have yeah once they transition in they're in the dress you don't want them in the men's room trust me yeah <laughs> that's so weird i feel like at this yeah. point we're just literally inventing shit to be mad about with some things oh yeah. It's like, like, how is this a problem for anybody? It's never been a problem for me ever. Yeah. Just be like, oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> Whatever. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a big problem, though, supposedly. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Gotta figure it out. Crazy. So then, what did you do? Why did you, you quit then just because you thought it was ending and you're tired of it? It was ending, there was no real forward progress for my career, mm -hmm. career, that's what you want to call it when you're 25. Sure. Um, yeah. And it was, it was just time. I just needed a change to do something different, mm -hmm. um, which just ended up maybe working freelance for a while. Yeah. Um, so you were, you're like 18 when you started working there? I was, I was 19. I just turned 19 wow. when I started. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's too many 19-year-olds that start at a job at 19 or works there somewhere seven years. <laughs> you look at resumes yeah. of young people, it's like four months here, five months there, you're here. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, it is It is funny. I tell people I feel less old and adult now than I did back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I shouldn't, but that's... And this is in the D.C. area, so you were still living there. Then what did you do after yeah. that? Yeah. I uh, I had a little home studio, uh -huh. so I uh, did some engineering and then just uh, a lot of freelance stuff, started getting into editing podcasts and um, doing some live sound here and there. Just, when did you start editing podcasts? That must have been early. Uh, yeah, I started when I was working for uh, Graphic Audio, doing audiobooks. We'd had a podcast for a little while, okay. um, and I'd done a couple episodes like producing, directing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that which was most fun and then I was, I was trying to think like what would have been the big podcast at the I mean I think it would have just been Joe Rogan was like the main mm. podcast at the time because he's been doing it forever yeah um but I started doing this podcast called uh the Washington Sports Jam mm -hmm. uh, a couple friends of mine uh had this website show where they covered like the DC sports teams and I was like hey you guys don't talk about the hockey team and they're like okay, well, you want to come on the podcast and talk about the hockey team? And I was like, sure. <laughs> um, and eventually that just got overwhelming for uh, the two guys who were doing it to host and maintain the podcast. The one guy had, you know, was married with a kid and yeah. the other guy was in law school. So huh. they were like, we're looking for somebody to take over the podcast. And I was like, I could do this. I have all the equipment. I can do this. <laughs> so I started hosting that show. Um, and then I started doing the show called The Meltdown, which is my show, a yep. uh, music show. Um, How long have you been doing that? Yeah. You've been doing that a while now. 
Yeah, six and a half years. Wow. Yeah. It's every week? Every week. Have you ever missed? Yeah, yeah. A bunch? If I go on vacation, I'll miss. Or <laughs> yeah. over the holidays, I'll usually take a couple weeks off. And Yeah. But yeah, usually every week. I threw you off. You're going to say something there. Uh, I don't know. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I've just done a whole bunch of different podcast uh, editing and yeah. various responsibilities since then over the last six years. You did some work Seven on uh, Travis's thing as the story grows. Are you doing his all the time or you just did some? Yeah, I've started editing uh, episodes for Trav mm-hmm. on as the story grows. Yeah, we met at the uh, Hey Mercedes uh, 15 year oh, every cool. firework tour. I'm bummed I missed that. I uh, love that band. Yeah, it was, it was really awesome. And I, yeah, I recognized him and we started chatting and he had mentioned he had just taken over the editing for that show and it was like a stress on him. And I was like, this is literally what I've done since I was 19. I can, <laughs> I can help you out. So that's hilarious because I recently told him how great the show sounded and he did not give you credit. <laughs> so I'm going to bust him. I'm going to bust oh. his balls right now on that. <laughs> way to go travis it's like wow the show sounds great it's noticeably improved <laughs> in audio quality yeah we're i'm only doing like every other show yeah, for him so cool. i've only done like a handful like i did ryan Parrish and mm-hmm. uh chris carbonell and okay. riley Brecken, breckenridge so did you do uh what's his face from uh, embodiment Mark? No. Okay. Mark no. Garza. That was all. That was all, Travis. <laughs> that was did, all, Travis. Did you hear those episodes? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Had, oh yeah. He had really great stuff to say about people, <laughs> Na- <Yeah>. namely me, <laughs> Chris, or <laughs> some other people. Uh, well, I'll deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> can't can uh. Can't win over everybody, I guess. Yeah, can't can't please everybody all the time. <laughs> he was it one of blind, them, apparently. It did blindside me, though. I'm just all oh, yeah. listening along. It's like, man, poor Chris is really taking it on the chin here. Like, oh, now I'm taking it on the chin. Shit. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> it's bound to happen eventually, I guess. Yep. That's cool. So then uh, you like stop doing like playing music and that kind of thing, or you just still kind of just do it on the side? Uh, I was doing it on the side. I uh, worked at a church part time mm-hmm. for three years doing like leading worship for the youth group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I quit that. Me and the new youth pastor had a dispute on how that should go. And uh, what do you mean how that should go? He wanted it to be more of a manufactured experience. Yeah. And I was like, they're high school and junior high kids. Like, uh, <laughs> like, ha- best- like manufactured how, like have a way, like a manipulative way of doing things. Yeah. He just wanted me to speak more and say things. And I was just like, it was, it was just not what I was into. Yeah. Um, and like, I was, I was going through like a shift in my beliefs and, um, what I thought of the Bible and Christianity anyways. Mm-hmm. So like what kind of it shift? It was just the right you time to just leave. put that out there, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, just in like, you know, is Genesis real? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what about the Bible matters? I think it was. Uh, oh, you've been following that heretic, Michael Gunger. Is that what you've been doing? Well, at, at the time it was, uh, is Rob Bell and Donald Miller. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do appreciate the things Michael Gunger has to say. Yeah. Uh, he's a good guy. That was a, ho- no, that was sure, a, that sure was a horrible the- joke as if he's the first yeah. person to think that about that. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, although I'm sure the people who I enjoy reading and listening to probably get labeled as heretics. So sure. It's fine. Um, I always tell people, I'm like, I could be a Christian like this, I'd be questioning, or I could just give it up. Which would you rather have, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, so I, aside from Genesis, like what else? Um, Like he's a liter- I mean, he was a literal Genesis, Genesis guy? Well, that was, it wasn't even that with him. Um, he didn't have an issue with the things I believe or even knew 
for me, it was just like, you know, I was reading the Gospels and, and Acts, and I was just like, this is not how the church functions. This is not, like, I just don't see people living like Jesus. And um, I mean, my issue with Genesis was not like a scientific thing. It was like being from an artistic musical perspective. It was like reading like God created and being like, yeah, creation, creating things, even if you're God, like that, that word inspires like work and effort and like passion and time. And I was just like this, this like seven days thing. Like, <laughs> I, d- I don't know about that. Mm. Um, so yeah. And then just like not seeing the church, like live how I, what I was reading in the Bible. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is just not for me. Um, at least that brand of Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> And what is, I think it was, uh, what in that, uh, tired violence documentary where Tim from under oath, like quotes Aaron Weiss, where Aaron said, you know, sometimes you have to burn the house down and whatever's still standing is what's good. Mm -hmm. And like, that's basically what I did, you know, it was like the, the great commandment in Matthew, it's like to love God and love people. I was like, that is what's important. Yeah. And like, I got that first tattooed on my arm and I was like that, like if everything else goes away, like that is what I live by and stand by. And it's, it's what's whole held to be most true over the last decade plus. Yeah. Are you involved in a church at all these days or not really? I am. When we were, when I was in DC still, I, uh, went to this church in DC. Um, I went there for nine years after a spell of about a year or so not going to church and yeah I played uh, drums on the worship team there for a while and uh, they put out some records that I played on and um, we go to a church here up in Philadelphia now so what's that place uh, it's called Freedom Church Freedom Church mm-hmm. what do you like about that place uh, it's it's the pastor yeah it's really like um his messages are really uh, not just based in scripture, but based in like the history of what was happening at the time of the scripture and, mm-hmm. um, you know, how it relates to the world around us. And it, like, it's not this like bulletin, like seven points had to be better. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, his preaching is really what got me to be like, okay, this is the church where I think we can, go and not that we needed my permission or my wife needed my permission, but <laughs> how, how many did you have to go to until you found that place? We went to probably four or five. Huh. That's quite a few. Yeah. How was yeah. It? it took us, it took us a while to get settled up here in Philly. <laughs> yeah. So. Is it a big church? Uh, probably a couple hundred people. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. You in a small group? I am, yeah. Yeah, look at you. Which, 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 that is what feels more like church to me, anyways. Sure. Like hanging out with people and you know sharing some wine and food and like hanging out. Yeah. Which, which I think was like another shift when we moved to Philadelphia, and it was like we have no friends. So anytime like friends would visit or we'd hang out with people, I'm like, yes, this is church. Like hanging out with people and you know sharing a meal and just <laughs> yeah. talking about real life, like. I would so much rather do this than, you know, that is, that is church. And they know that, that, that it says what it is, but that doesn't bring right. in money. So then they well, just, you know, <laughs> they just try to get you in there, get the money and then really strongly, strongly encourage you to get involved in that so that you'll keep coming. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's my cynical take on things. <laughs> <laughs> well, all we need is the church of the small group, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's like, uh, you can listen to any pastor practically on earth on a podcast at this point. Um, right. You know, right. Or whatever. So. Right. There are podcasts. You can get any worship record you want if you need that. Like, yeah, it's audio, which is, which is what made, which, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is what made like church so tough when we moved. Cause I'm like, if I just go to church and I leave right away and I don't talk to anybody, like, what's the point? Yeah. I could listen to a sermon at home. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. Nah, I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> right. I went to, it's really funny. A few weeks back, I went to visit this uh, Episcopal church. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, I like some of the aspects of that. I like the churches, like Catholic churches and Episcopal churches. I like the old style stained glass and all yeah. that stuff and whatever better than the nondescript theater or whatever i'm not really into all that stuff but um i'm it's like it's like all things in my life i'm not into all the incense and i'm not into the responsive readings and oh, the yeah. unison readings and any of that stuff i just i don't even do it like and uh it was funny they carried all the stuff out at the end and i'm like in the last row you know thinking i'll just <laughs> you know scoot on out of here when it's all over but they finished the service like right next to me basically so like the oh man priest or whatever is like standing <laughs> like i mean he could pretty much just reach over and grab my elbow if he wanted to and um so i'm like i hope they're going to move cuz i'm getting ready to dash out of here and he is talking to somebody <laughs> and then i went to like leave and he's like hold on a second there you know buddy or like whatever <laughs> like oh boy <laughs> Gonna have this awkward yeah. conversation. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> so I politely explained to him that my wife was at Hillsong around the corner and I could only take so much and I needed a break. So <laughs> probably uh, haven't been back. <laughs> I, I, I did enjoy doing a traditional uh, uh, communion though. I have missed that. Yeah. Yeah. All we have yeah. is the uh, what looks like it goes in your travel bathroom bag oh yeah yeah kit thing <laughs> not into that either there's a lot of problems nope. oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway so did i hear you say something about you're starting a record label i am yeah uh yeah started this label something beautiful music uh-huh uh yeah the first record was supposed to be out already but um you know vinyl manufacturing mm takes too long are you just doing vinyl yeah. or downloading vinyl or what uh so the first release i'm doing there's a so the first release i'm doing is this band east coast uh -huh. the record if i sleep um they were a band they were like friends of mine from the church i went to in dc mm -hmm. um and then they started this band i recorded their first ep and then i ended up playing guitar with them before we moved up to philadelphia mm -hmm. so yeah i'm putting their record out on vinyl uh, which will be out as soon as those records come in. <laughs> <laughs> Who do, um, who's doing the manufacturing? Disc makers. Okay. I, They're probably they farming it out, vinyl. I would imagine, because they don't have a plan. Possibly. Yeah, that, I think yeah. they're like a broker. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing their record on vinyl, and then um, I'm doing cassettes for this uh, emo band from Philadelphia. Cassettes. Uh, yeah. Why cassettes, Brian? They're a big deal now, man. Um, Why? Because they're cheap. Because they're cheap. Because they're cheap. That is that is all I can formulate. Is it's a because <laughs> the format sucks. <laughs> I I agree. Like the form I mean, I have, factor of it. Cassettes are cool. Like I think like holding that they're cool to like look at and like just the funk, you know, like the way they look and feel and all that stuff yeah. is cool. But that's pretty much where it ends. <laughs> I just want to hear track right. three. Like, nope. <laughs> Got it. Right. Right. So what do you like? What is that? Why? Is, it's just like, I think people are just trying to be funny. That's what I think. I think it might be people are trying to be funny, but I also think there is a thing where like, if you want to be able to release a physical medium, I mean, like, I don't know why cassettes are a bigger deal than CDs right now. Yeah. Um, like who, like who even has a, I don't like, I don't even have a cassette player anymore. I, I bought one from a thrift store recently. Did you? You uh, had to, right? You didn't have one. Yeah, no, I had one for a while and then it broke when I was trying to like <laughs> con convert cassettes to digital for my wife. And I was like, it like, cause it was old. Yeah. So I was like, all right. Yeah. I didn't have one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the one I bought like only works half the time and it eats the tape half the time. Sure. So. Did your car have a cassette deck? No. Of course not. No. Of course not. So how are people <laughs> even listening to these things? They just got little. That is, that is what I'm curious. I mean, like, <laughs> it looks like people are making like new Walkman and that's like, that's the thing. I've never seen anybody listen to one 
I just know that this is a thing that's come back in, in fashion because a, they are cheap to manufacture. Right. And like, if you're going to support an artist and buy physical media, yeah. and as, especially if you like buy a lot of music, you know, you could buy, you know, spend 20 to 30 bucks buying vinyl every week or, you know, five to seven buying a cassette. So, yeah, that's crazy. To yeah. me. It's just not yeah. very practical. I think more it's than not. anything else. <laughs> it's not. Like I have my old iPod like connected in the, it's in the glove box of my car. So I have like 90% of the music I ever owned in the glove box of my car. Oh yeah. And then I have like Spotify and, and my, and, and the rest of my collection on Amazon cloud on the Amazon app on my phone. And I just think like, I don't know. It's like, I don't, yeah. I don't have time in the modern world for all this stuff. Like even I think yeah. vinyl school, but it's like, when am I, when do I have time to sit around and listen to a vinyl record? So yeah, I'm doing uh their record on cassette. Okay. They're called thought patterns. Thought uh, patterns. That's a cool name. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm doing, uh, it'll probably be January, February, a uh, double vinyl release from the post-rock artist, uh, Solinar. Okay. Based in Colorado. So. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. I, all I did was ask you about that and then say how dumb vinyl and cassettes are. Sorry. <laughs> I, what I've accepted, Brian, is that, and, and we should cl- clearly offer this disclaimer, is that I've entered the jun- juncture of life where I realize that I'm on the outs on most things. So you're, <laughs> you're with the kids and with what's popular, and everyone loves vinyl, and uh, including even my old friends. Everyone's into the records, and cassettes and going to i'm retiring from shows i've, I've realized that I've, yeah, i saw that i've yeah. ended this weird curmudgeonly well what's funny is like i went to that descendant show which was a fantastic show experience uh kind of anomalous of the last few years i seem to have worse and worse experiences which i've kind of like tied now to alcohol i think it has to do with alcohol i think maybe if i was going to all ages shows it'd be better but people in general uh have a very bad sense of like people around them and personal space. And when they've been drinking, I feel like it's even worse. Like they just don't know and don't care. And they're going to come jam right in front of you when you've been standing there forever. And mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's a problem. But yeah, I posted that I was going to go see Sam. I am and iron Sheik like the week after or something. And immediately <laughs> like six people are like, dude, I thought you were retired from shows. I was like, look out, here comes the retirement police. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'd like to state that uh, I'm not going to that show because it's at St. Vitus no. and it's in Brooklyn and forget it. No. I've seen Sam I Am anyway, and I just saw Iron Sheik this summer, so I'll live. I didn't know Sam I Am was playing again. <clears throat> yeah, they're they're doing a little run of dates down to the Fest in Florida. Okay. So they may be playing by you. They're awesome. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I've never seen them. Yeah, they're great. And their guitarist is in Knapsack. And the yeah, jealous and the sound, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same band. Yeah. Pretty much. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Got that weird voice, though. A little weird. <laughs> <laughs> so East Ghost, that's the first thing when that comes in. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a cool name, too. Yeah. You'd... Yeah. It's a, yeah. So they're really good. String I always good describe them names, as yeah. like, yeah. Go ahead. I always describe them as like shoegazy Jimmy World. Okay. They don't like that description, but. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you're in charge of uh, promoting right. it. <laughs> like, whatever. Shoegazy Jimmy Eat World. It's out there now, everybody. Yep. Well, where can, do you have like a website and stuff? Uh, Probably the best way to get information is to go to the Facebook page. Okay. Uh, Facebook.com slash something beautiful records. Okay. Um. They go to somethingbeautifulrecords.com, but it is, uh, it's in work and it's not that clean right now. So, yeah. Rad. Well, let me be the first person to wish you a happy birthday. Well, thank you. (laughs) Appreciate that. And congrats on the new, uh, the new thing. And, and I look forward to hearing that stuff. Not, not on the physical formats, but I'm sure I'll check out the, you you can find that on Bandcamp too. So (laughs) perfect. Perfect. That rec, their record is on Bandcamp. So. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for yeah. coming in on a clutch for me today, Brian. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. The people who uh, were not a fan of uh, Make America Punk Again are really going to fucking hate this. 
They'd be like, we went from letters to Billy's punk experience to this no-name guy. What the hell is going on, man? Well, thanks again, Brian. Yeah, thanks, man. It was, it was a blast. It was a pleasure. Brian Patton, everybody. Don't let that guy uh, be so self-deprecating, man. Uh, Brian's a good dude. He's done a lot of cool stuff. And uh, that music clip that you heard at the beginning of the show there was indeed East Ghost, uh, the title track, If I Sleep, from their record, which will be coming out soon on vinyl on Mr. Patton's label. Thanks again, Brian, for coming through the last minute there for me. Appreciate you. If you want to connect with the show, you can email me, billy at urbanachieversshow.com anytime. Uh, If you go to urbanachieversshow.com, you can uh, sign up on the email list. And uh, we have an online store at urbanachiever.gobigwin.com. As always, the Urban Achiever theme show music at the beginning and the end here uh, were written and performed by Ethan Luck. You can see Ethan at ethanluck.bandcamp.com. And uh, don't forget urbq.fm, Gotta Make America Punk, a new punk radio show coming out on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. West Coasties. Um, so, yeah. I guess that's it for me this week, you guys. Uh, it is my anniversary, my 10th anniversary. Going to be celebrating as you're listening to this uh, in the city for the weekend with my lovely wife. And uh, I appreciate your support. And until next time, keep up the good work. I'm proud of you. I'm going to start calling you Clutch Patton. Yeah. Uh, You know, this ain't my first rodeo. That's true.